1: Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's show, we'll talk about a UN agency warns the monetary policy moves in advanced economies may trigger a global recession. And we will also take a look at why the UK is ditching its tax cut plan. And now let's begin with our top story. A United Nations agency is warning that monetary and fiscal policies in advanced economies may push the world towards a global recession and prolonged stagnation. The UN Conference of Trade and Development says this year's interest rate hikes in the U.S. will cut an estimated $360 billion of future income for developing countries, excluding China and Secretary-General Rebecca Greenspan suggests that the situation in many developing countries is worsening. So what is the current situation of the global economy and where will it go for the next year? For more on this, join us on the line now Chu uh, Qu Qiang, the Assistant Director of International Monetary Institute at Renmin University of China, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So Aina, first of all, the UN agency warns that uh, the monetary and fiscal policy moves in advanced economies may trigger the global economic into the uh, recession. So they even say this may cause more pain than the 2008 financial crisis and the year 2020 COVID-19 shock. So what's your assessment of the global economy currently?
0: Well, right now, unfortunately, the the U.S. is causing more pain uh, at a time when the U.S. should be working with the G20, uh, the rest of the uh, nations to come up with a plan that's global It's trying to concentrate on its domestic issues. Unfortunately, what it's doing is is counterproductive. It's actually driving more inflation. Uh, People have to remember that the U.S. is at the top of the economic pyramid, but it's still a pyramid. The U.S. doesn't exist alone. So the actions that it's doing to hurt other economies is actually going to come back and rebound on it in terms of uh, lesser exports, uh, higher prices.
1: Mm. And Qi Qiang, so what's your estimation of the global economy today? And will it be even worse than the 2008, you know, the financial crisis situation? Tell us, what's the difference?
2: Well, uh, you have to analyze the whole situation from uh, two aspects. Um, well, you have to understand that 2008 is basically a financial crisis, which jumped at you, uh, caught you uh, in surprise. And it's been triggered by the high leverage on a CDO and a CDS uh, hooked up to the property assets, and uh, it's been affecting the whole financial sector so hugely. It's probably one of the milestones in the current two decades. Uh, but uh, you have to understand why we call it a financial, resource, uh, financial crisis is because normal people, which uh, who doesn't have so much of the financial um, assets or investment will not be hurt that much because the Papa Mama store still run and the street stands still work. People still go to their work. So it's basically a financial problem, but this time is different. This time we're looking at economic crisis, which is more like uh, 1929, which means everyone has been affected by the high oil price, gas price, and the choked supply chain. And probably the recession later and uh, the employment problems.
1: So Mm -hmm. it's been
2: affecting not only the financial problem, uh, financial sector, but also everybody's daily life and living standard. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say maybe not that huge impact, but it's going to be longer an impact and uh, affecting all of us.
1: Mm. So, Aina, so how has the rapid interest rate hikes, the fiscal tightening, the pandemic and the Ukraine crisis impact the world economy so far? And do you agree with uh, Xu Qiang?
0: Well, I, I, I don't agree in the sense that I think it is going to be uh, much more severe than um, he's anticipating. I think we're going back to a time uh, you know, during the great financial crisis of the stock market crash 1939, uh, because you see the same things happening, companies, uh, countries, instead of trying to deal with a problem, are resulting to fiscal measures and s- setting up uh, trade walls, uh, you know, fiscal walls, trying to protect their currency. This is exactly what happened back then and what led to the Great Depression. And I think we're in, in the same territory. I'm surprised that more economists don't see the parallels between what's happening today. I mean, you have a, an immense amount of stagflation. Uh, people's incomes are going in negative direction. They're not increasing disposable income. Remember, disposable income is the key to keeping this kind of tertiary economy going. Without this uh, ability to make choices, whether it's for entertainment or clothes or whatever, this grinds everything to uh, to a halt. Mm -hmm. The multiplier goes in reverse. I mean, already energy prices this year up 78%. Uh, you know, food prices 11% in August, grain prices 15%, fertilizer prices 60%. There is no plan currently. The U.S., which controls the dollar, is upping the price, which is just, you know, grinding these uh, developing nations into nothing. They have no ability to buy in enough food and oil, uh, and energy. And now they're, uh, you know, saying, how are they going to pay back debts that they, they have no economy uh, to generate prop, uh, money with?
1: And so, Aina, you mentioned the developing countries. So what have been the repercussions of the U.S. interest rate hikes that could impact the developing countries and who will be taking the worst hits?
0: The worst hit will be the the developing countries that don't have commodities that they can sell out. If you start looking at the Middle East, it actually, uh, they're they're doing very well. Why? Because they're exporting oil, and and oil is necessary to fertilizer. They have an energy crunch. Shipping is doing well because of the bottlenecks and things like that. But these countries, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot to begin with. They don't have the kind of cushion that these uh, developed countries have, and now the U.S., And other countries, because they're following the U.S., are exporting inflation. Their loans are in other currencies, especially dollars. And now the dollar is very, very, very expensive, you know, up 20%. How are they going to pay it back at a time when they, you know, as I keep saying, they can barely afford food and energy. How are they going to find money to pay back these debts? So that leads to a a banking crisis worldwide. Uh, We're starting to see cracks. I mean, there was a run on Credit Suisse, uh, and there's reason for it. Yes, they do have uh, sufficient liquidity for now, but you start looking at the loans, the cheap loans that were put out there and everyone was borrowing. How is that going to be paid back? So Mm -hmm. there's a domino effect here. Uh, which is going to engulf these uh, developing countries as well as developed countries.
1: Mm. So, Chiang, the Federal Reserve interest rate hikes have spurred the uh, global investors to chase the uh, dollar-denominated products, and also boosted the U.S. Uh, dollar. You know, so what problems do you think you know will a strong U.S. dollar cause for developing countries?
2: Well, I've been researching this issue uh, probably all over my doctoral studies and research. Um, I find every time when a U.S. dollar is getting strong, it's a result, not the reason. It's because the whole world economy is getting worse. So uh, the international investment to flow back to U.S.A. Uh, for the safe haven uh, to get more of the risk-free return. And therefore, because everyone is trying to buy more of the U.S. dollar and go back to the U.S. market, and then the U.S. dollar's exchange rate just goes up. And when that happens, uh, usually there are going to be uh, two direct uh, influence. One is the capital, which is a very important productivity resource for the developing nations, will go back to U.S. So they will have less at their uh, developing market. And therefore, they probably are suffering from the shortage of the capital. And then investment, productivity, trade will all slow down, which is going to be a disaster for the uh, Uh, developing nations and uh, the second one is that uh because most of the developing nations emerging markets they have basically uh borrowed u.s dollar denominated debt uh they have to borrow it from international investor world bank imf and etc so when they're going to pay back they have to pay back in the u.s dollar but right now since everybody's rushing to sell their own currency and buy US dollar, and uh, their own currency's exchange rate is just falling very, very rapidly. Just as, as Anna just mentioned, everybody's trying to defend their own exchange rate. And when that happens, you can buy less and less US dollar with your own money, and then you are less and less capable to pay off your debt. And you have to understand pay off your debt is a very, very important issue. It's concerning your credit. If you cannot, or if you failed to honor your commitment, you will lose your credit in the international market. That's going to be a disaster in the future because you won't borrow any more cheap debt in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
2: many countries have been suffering from that, like Argentina, Brazil, and etc. So this will endanger your long-term development.
1: Mm. And Chiang, so how do you expect the current situation to impact the Chinese currency and the economy over the next year?
2: Well, I think for China, um, I think uh, out of all the unlucky uh, China has been a little bit lucky is because we still have a controlled capital account, which means in China, you cannot just like uh, like in Japan, you just freely convert all of your money into US dollar or reversely. So you still have a quota of the uh, exchange of the currencies uh, like India, like in India, they have also the similar uh, system. So which means we can still prevent the capital flow, uh, that uh, uh go into a disordered way, and also China have a very large buffer, uh, which is our foreign reserve. China still have more than three trillion of u s dollars, which is still the largest all over the world, mm-hmm. and with such a amount of the foreign reserve, we can uh, provide a very safe cushion for chinese capital outflow and also another very important factor is that China still have a very large trade surplus. Just look at Chinese uh, trade surplus this year. In the first half, China already achieved more than two trillion U.S. dollars of the uh, trade surplus. This is already very large, basically uh, two-thirds of Chinese uh, size of the foreign reserve. So with such a trade surplus, the China can withstand uh, more of the capital outflows over the capital account. Mm. Uh, by the income of the uh, current account. So that helps China to maintain a strong Chinese yuan.
1: Mm. And so Aina, you earlier mentioned that the US dollar has surged nearly 20% this year with the exchange rates of the uh, euro, the Japanese yen, the British pound, all dipping to the record low. So what does it mean for all these economies?
0: Well, it's, it's just, unfortunately for them. It's the same uh, situation. They're they're dealing with their own inflation. You know, one important thing that people should remember is that back in two thousand nine, there was deflation. It was uh, just under point four percent. So that means prices were actually falling. You look today, prices are going up. You have stagflation. You have uh, low economic growth and very, very, and increasing prices. I mean, U.S. and Europe still around that, over 8%. China, conversely, is at 2.5%. So, you know, when you start looking at the global picture, mm-hmm. the problem is no one is acting together, and it is hurting everybody. I mean, you've already had the World Bank and other, uh, you know, WTO saying, hey, look, guys, uh, this is not working. You You have to stop doing what you think are protective measures for your own economy because you're sinking the ship, all right? You, you think you're plugging holes, but you're actually making it more possible for the entire economy to go down. I mean, what Shishang has said is really bothering. If no one can pay back their debts, imagine what that does to the current international uh, monetary situation, uh, the, the financial structure. If the countries just say no one can pay back their debts, why should we? Forget it done, finished. You know, it's one thing if a country like Argentina or a couple of countries say that. But if you have the majority of the developing and emerging countries, just say, look, forget it. Uh, You know, we were pushed into this. The U.S. is acting selfishly. They're making it impossible for us to pay their debts by, you know, raising the dollar. We therefore just say, no, we're not going to pay. What can Mm -hmm. the U.S. do? It's really troublesome.
1: Mm. And so, uh, Chi Chiang, so how likely do you think will the Federal Reserve's, you know, rapid interest rate hikes trigger the international financial instability?
2: Well, if they keep on doing this, that's going to be 100% sure they're going to trigger a financial and also economic instability in the future. Well, um, right now, we're having a voice that. uh, Federal Reserve probably is going to take it slow because the oil price is dropping. But very unfortunately, because this just in the past two days, we've seen the oil price are raising up very quickly. Mm-hmm. So this probably lowered the vision that uh, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to go easy. So we've been hearing another very hawkish saying from the Federal Reserve. They, they say they're going to continue what they're doing for sure. They're going to learn from the Paul Walker uh, to tame the inflation, the dragon, for sure, we understand. But just take a look. The whole situation is very different. The whole uh, Paul Walker situation just ended the gold standard system of the international currency. But right now, the whole world is uh, in the credit standard system. It's very different. The whole world has been going through a low interest rate environment for many, many years, decades. So if the uh, Federal Reserve is rise up, is going to raise up their interest rate more than 5%, just 5%, not more, not 20% like Paul Walker. 5% is good enough to kill basically lots of lots of small and medium-sized economy And uh, also the small companies, Papa and Mama stores, Street Stem, just take a look. If you can put your money in the bank and switch them into the U.S. dollar and save them for one year, you get 5% risk-free return. Why would you do other business? Just consider, you go out, you work for the whole day, you take the risk of the volatile interest rate and also the foreign exchange rate, and then you can earn something like 5% or 6% net income. No, if you will have 5% risk-free by lying down, you won't do anything. If everybody is thinking the same way, the whole economy of the world is going to fall into disorder and collapse.
1: So what lessons should we learn from history and what should the Federal Reserve do?
2: Well, I think taming inflation is basically the priority that has been taught in the history, for sure, because without a tamed inflation, you won't do anything correct because the signal of the price, will going to be in a chaotic situation. And also, like we've been talking about, it, it's a supply side problem, not a demand side problem. Mm. If you hike up interest rate that much, you're killing the demand and making things worse.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Aina, so do you agree with Shuiqiang or what do you think should the Federal Reserve do?
0: Well, you know, I, I agree with them in broad strokes. I think this is very, very serious. Uh, obviously, the, the, the U.S. I, I think there's a false dichotomy. Everyone says, oh, inflation, to tame inflation, you have to kill the economy. I, I don't think that's uh, correct. Uh, there are shades of gray in there. And I think that's what Xu is is talking about. The Fed needs to ease up on its interest rate increases because it's a demand-side issue. You know, every time you raise the rates, it doesn't produce another barrel of oil, nor does it produce another uh, bushel of grain. Uh, they have to realize that the co- economy needs to be stimulated, but they need to soak up a lot of this excess liquidity that's been floating around there in an orderly fashion. Uh, I mean, exporting... Uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable to me that the U.S. is so short-sighted that they're saying, oh, we think we're going to address our own problems and we're going to export our misery to the rest of the world, and that somehow this will work out. This is exactly what they were doing when they were adhering to the gold standard during the crash. Uh, It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. So I agree. This is a serious situation. The Fed is misled in terms of where it's going. I know he's trying to... Build up a cushion so he can reinflate the economy sometime down the line. But there may, you know, this you may weaken the patient so much that it uh, economically dies, and then you cannot resuscitate it, no matter how much uh, leeway you have. Uh, one issue though that I have: yes, you can earn five percent risk-free in the U.S., and you maybe pick up uh, some money on in terms of exchange rates if you're going uh, from outside. But. You're still, if you're in the U.S. and you put your money into this, you're actually losing money. Inflation's at 8.5%. You're earning only, only 5%. It means you're losing 3.5% uh, if the inflation continues. And then mm-hmm. that's, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not actually making money. You're actually losing money.
1: Mm. Well, we're speaking with Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute, and also Chu Qiang, the Assistant Director of the International Monetary Institute at Renmin University of China. And after a short break, we'll take a look at why the UK is ditching its tax card plan. Stay with us.
2: Hello, this is Michael Zhang. Greetings from Los Angeles of the Golden State of California. Thank you today for making me part of your team. I truly enjoy the debates we had and look forward to many more in the years to come.
1: You're listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. The UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has pledged to steer Britain through stormy days and transform its economy after a chaotic first month in office. She made the remarks when addressing conservative lawmakers and members at an annual conference overshadowed by internal bickering and policy confusion.
0: I'm determined to take a new approach and break us out of this high-tax, low-growth cycle. And that's what our plan is about. It's about getting the economy growing and rebuilding Britain through reform. The scale of this challenge is immense. I have three priorities for our economy. Growth, growth and growth.
1: Charles' attempt to cut £45 billion of taxes and hike the government borrowing sent markets into a tailspin. It also triggered the crisis of investor confidence in the government, hammering the value of pound and prompting the Bank of England to intervene. She has been forced to reverse the scrapping of the top rate of tax. So, Qichang, the Lee trust government ditched the tax cut plan for the high earners. So why do you think it's the sudden change of plan?
2: Well, I don't think... Uh, We should pay attention to the keywords like high earners or rich people or something like that. It doesn't concern the whole situation. The situation is that in current uh, background, um, we are all having one uh, common enemy that is a strong U.S. dollar. With a strong U.S. dollar, U.K. sterling pound is also facing a lot of pressure. So uh, with that situation coming, usually you should do whatever the other people are doing. That is tighten up your monetary policy raise up an interest rate and also hike up your foreign exchange rate to make uh, UK sterling pounds stronger to avoid furthermore depreciation. But what the Liz are doing is trying to <laughs> trying to make the uh, sterling pound cheaper. And uh, by cutting the tax, basically, you mean you're pouring more money into the market. And then it's a losing a policy of the money. And um, people won't trust the exchange rate of sterling pound, and therefore uh, the T bond of the UK government also started to fall. Then they become a a disaster. Mm. So it's hurting the UK's credit and also hurting the sterling pound. That's the reason why she's going to change the policy.
1: Mm, But will the new decision reassure the markets and help the pound recover?
2: No, actually, they've been just trying to patch up the wound, uh, stop the bleeding first, but they didn't treat the symptoms. They didn't treat the whole cost. Uh, right now, the Central Bank of uh, UK, the Bank of England, is trying to use the QE, try to ripple their T-bond to save the falling of their T-bond, that's for sure. But also by doing that, you're pouring more of the sterling pound into the market. Uh, of course, for in the short time, you save the liquidity problem of the T-bond, of the UK government. But also, you still need to tell people that the U.K. will have a bright future in economy, and also sterling pound is going to stay strong in the future like it did before.
1: Mm. But
2: right now, the trust government didn't show the market that sign and how they're going to achieve that purpose.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, Ina, so some economists also attribute the crisis, you know, to Brexit. The Bank of England Governor Andrew Barley warned that the economy was weakening, you know, rather earlier and somewhat more than others. So to what extent do you think is the current inflation influenced by the Brexit?
0: Well, that's a little complicated. Brexit by itself was a massive disaster for uh, Great Britain. Uh, pulling out without a plan is like jumping off the cliff and hoping the, the rocks will soften your landing. Uh, there was absolutely no idea how to work this through, and we see it now. So, you know, in simplistic terms, Great Britain is at odds with Europe, Russia, and its friends with America. America, as is pointed out, is the one who is actually killing Great Britain with Uh, and forcing them to raise rates in reaction to the U.S. strength of the U.S. dollar due to uh, rate increases. So at this juncture, um, you know, the whole Brexit thing is bringing to light the fact that uh, Great Britain is in a very tenuous position. Their trade is not increasing. They're going to go into a a negative, they've been in a negative tailspin. So at this point, um, you can expect more bad news from Great Britain. Uh, I agree they're trying to patch things up, but there is no plan to save the patient.
1: And so, Qiang. so currently the UK inflation is already one of the highest among major economies, and the Bank of England has intervened to stabilize the financial markets, saying it would buy £65 billion worth of uh, long-term government bonds. So how will that plan work, and will it help? Well, I'm going
2: to tell you it's going to work, for sure. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bank of England is learning from Japan. The Bank of Japan has been doing that for many, many years. Just take a look. Right now, uh, not only the pension, but also the T-bond of the Japanese government. More than 60% of the whole amount has been bought or printed by the Bank of Japan. And is Japan collapsing? No, we don't see the sign. Do you know why? It's because... Uh, Japanese yen and sterling pound are actually been serving as two most important uh, bridge currencies. It means international players or investors are always using sterling pound or Japanese yen as a bridge currency to uh, invest in other countries or switch between the US dollar and other emerging markets currencies. So, as long as the whole game uh, the, the dominated by the US capital. Um, has been still going on so japan and the uk and the whole economic or financial model of those two countries can still work uh, in a well predictable period of time but how serious problem is going to be triggered if the game stops we mm. don't know because we'll be saying the whole human being has been entered uncharted
1: waters Mm-hmm. So, Chiang, Qi with this high inflation, the Brexit, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, how do you foresee the UK's economy in the next two years?
2: Well, not in a very good shape because we're seeing that uh, the whole conflict in the Ukraine is not stopping, which means more of the uh, labor forces cannot go into UK. Because you have to understand, after the uh, Brexit, uh, many of the UK labor forces are provided by uh, the Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Immigrant cannot go to UK right now. And also the supply chain has been tightened up or even choked. And also the oil and gas prices, everybody knows that. So when the European Union itself are facing so much pressure, a singled out UK will face even larger pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we're speaking with Chu Qiang, the Assistant Director of the International Monetary Institute at Renmin University of China and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing, thank you so much for listening